What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 16 of the Four Verts podcast. Uh, it's another pretty short episode. Didn't have any recaps, obviously. And it's pretty much unedited due to my New Year's plans uh, restricting me from having the time to edit. But we go through the, the Peach Bowl and the Sugar Bowl that Georgia and Clemson will be playing in. And then we, we really just go through the picks. So hope you enjoy and let's get it. any recaps um obviously since south carolina's game got canceled and whatnot so we're just going to go straight into the very few questions we have uh the first one is is what's everybody's opinion on opt-outs you know after the season bowl season you see a bunch of kids opting out um whether they're gonna go to the nfl draft or you know they just don't feel like playing but what what is what y'all's opinion on that i'm uh yeah i i mean i'm i'm kind of torn on it to be honest i got Part of me is like, dude, they suck. But, like, it's just so stupid. Finish the season out, and like a guy like Devaney said, Tyson Campbell is going to play. He said he has a job to do, finish, whatever. But then again, like, I think there's just so many guys that they're like, okay, I have this opportunity, blah, blah, blah. So now it's just become, you know, what would you do in this situation? Like, me personally, I'd probably keep playing, but I guess that's me sitting here saying that with no opportunity to go play in the NFL and play <laughs> another game. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I think that's a – it's annoying, but at this point, I uh, just – I don't really know what to think about it. Yeah, I mean, like, for people opting out after the season, like if they're in, you know, if they didn't make it in the playoff or they're not in, you know, a super great bowl or whatever, I mean, I get it. Like, if you're going to the NFL draft to go ahead and start working towards that. But, I mean, at the same time, it's like when you start something, you might as well just finish it. But like you said, we're not really in those guys' shoes. I mean, I respect the opt-outs after the season before bowl games a lot more than, you know, two games before the season's over like some of the South Carolina guys did. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it just it just kills the bowl games. Like you said, if you're opting out of the Gasparilla Bowl, I mean, that that is what it is. Guys that are, you know, have been hurt opting out, I get that. But, I mean – I think for the most part, it's it's kind of silly. I mean, you played nine, ten, eleven games, maybe. Like, what what is what's the risk of playing one more game? Like, you're going to play, you know, specifically speaking about UNC and Florida, you're going to play a quality opponent. It's going to be a a game that's on national TV in the primetime slot, New Year's Day. I mean, these are these are supposed to be important games. It's clear that they're not important anymore. Yeah, I mean, what's the Which difference? In, what what's the difference in these games? say, for someone on, like, Georgia. I mean, how long ago did Georgia know they weren't going to a playoff game? How many games after that did they have to play? And those guys played, and then all of a sudden for this bowl game, you don't want to play. I, I mean, I don't really get the logic there. I, I mean, pretty soon you're just going to get to the point where, okay, we got two losses. We're not going to make a, a playoff. I'm just going to go ahead and cut out right now. That's what it's getting to. And that's why That's why there's this – thing about the playoff like you love it and you hate it at the same time because it's good in some faucets and it's terrible like this um but for some guys on even on Georgia's team it doesn't make sense to me how you know you opt out of the bowl game against a you know pretty g5 school that's coming up you know they're pretty good it's a big bowl game peach bowl in Atlanta and they opt out of the game and then they turn around and accept their senior bowl invite yeah that it's, doesn't make a lot of sense like that just that well, like they also just played in games against missouri and yeah. kentucky or whatever it is i mean and just what what games to those what they're playing sec game i get it. it's 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 tape but i mean for a guy like eric stokes i mean you know he's getting drafted so he don't necessarily need those the, that tape so why not just play the last game yeah and even Kind of when uh, Georgia's roster this year, uh, 
and their um, home to Vandy game, they didn't want to play. It was going to be the senior game, like senior night. Um, and the Peach Bowl commissioner came out and said that they'll celebrate the seniors before the game. And all <laughs> the seniors still opted out after he came out and said that. Nice. Which I was like, obviously, like. Does that, I mean, does that show that they really care? Yeah. I mean, it, I get like a guy, you know, that's probably going first round, like you're about to get paid $10, 15000000 million. I understand that part, but a guy like Monty Rice is probably going to go like third round, fourth round, maybe. You know, I just don't. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay, let's create a scenario in which uh, Trevor Lawrence is sitting here playing in the Sugar Bowl coming up. He should have uh, opted out four. last year and this year. He should have just <laughs> never played after the Bama game in 18. Yeah. I mean, if he's sitting in that situation, why is he playing? You know, but. Well, I mean, I think it's. You know, I think it's a little obviously different if you're. Yeah. In the, I think if Clemson. No, 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 no. no. I'm saying create a scenario. Create a scenario in that which Clemson's he's not in the playoff. Not in the playoff. Yeah, I think there are a lot, of, lot of Clemson guys that opt out as well. No, maybe I'm not. Saying, maybe not Trevor Lawrence, no, but. No, I'm saying Trevor Lawrence. Like I can maybe see him going. I don't need to go play in this BCS bowl. Yeah. They got a guy yeah. like DJ behind him. Do I? I still don't really care for that. But a guy like like the Vinny's example is what I'm saying is Monty Rice. <clears> I mean. Dog, you ain't gonna be the number one overall pick. Yeah. Guaranteed X amount of money, you know? Yeah. Like, go play some games because you don't know how many you have left. Exactly. Well, that's that's my thing. It's exactly. like especially for the guys that are that are seniors, like you're opting out of the last time you're ever gonna play football for your school. Yeah. Like with this with your team. Like that's so did it yeah. So that's the next thing as do you guys really care about a team? Yeah. And I mean, like when when South Carolina was having those opt outs after Mushamp got fired, um, Sidarius Hutchinson, our best offensive lineman, was asked if he ever thought about opting out. And he had a good answer. He was like, well, you know, I'm a senior leader on this team. All the young guys look up to me. Like, I want to lead by example to, to set, set a precedent at this school to, you know, play, play for the school, play for the university, and not play for yourself. So, I guess it's a little bit of that. I mean, those are the kind of guys you want that are willing to play in their last game just, you know, kind of to prove a point, I guess you could say. But yeah, again, I think it, I think it only hurts your team because if you're opting out, you're probably a starter, yeah, or at least play a good bit. So I mean, for Georgia, you said to many, well, you'll have seven starters out, something like that. Mm -hmm. What the hell does so? What the hell happens when if Cincinnati wins this game? Are you sitting there on the couch thinking, damn, bro? I wish I would have played because we would have really smacked those guys. Are you thinking, screw them guys, I'm gone? Well, like, yeah, exactly. And from their standpoint, you know, I, I, if we lose, I feel like they would be like, dang, man, I let the team down. But at the same time, they already made a decision, so I feel like they're not going to care anymore. Do yeah. they care? Yeah, yeah I really I mean, don't. Once I really they made a decision, sure. they're out. From, from I, I, I think it, point, though, I'm going to be pissed if we lose and all those guys opted out. I, I, I think this brings up the question of do kids really care that much of – having like an allegiance or, you know, like a commitment to a a school in general, not just a team, but like with the way the transfer portal is now, and then these guys just quitting on a team, do they, do they really even care about the school that they're at? No, they care about going to the NFL. It's about their stats and that's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some guys, there are definitely some guys that do care about the team and all that stuff, but there are a lot of guys that really don't. They just want to get out there, play football, get their stats up and hopefully go to the next level. Yeah, I'm, I couldn't. But those things aren't mutually exclusive, though. That's my, that's my issue with it. That's true. Yeah, that's like true. you can you can go out there and put up all the stats you want, but I mean you got to think, dude. If if you're that good and you're good enough to to opt out and still have all this guaranteed money in the top two three rounds of an NFL draft, like you're you're probably a big enough part of the team. Where why would if you're if you're you know Javante Williams and Michael Carter at North Carolina, why do you not want to go up against an SEC defense? This is yeah, legit tape. This is, this, is, this is the kind of tape like the like they would have had against Notre Dame. I mean, yeah. this is a legit front seven. Yep. Go out there and show out. And guess what? Instead of being a fringe second round pick, yep. hell, you you might you might make yourself a few hundred thousand dollars by playing at Texas AM. Yeah. You know, for Florida's receivers, I mean, Trayvon Grimes is a guy that physically we know he can do it, but he's not like their feature guy. Yep. So if he goes out there and puts up, you know, two, three touchdowns because Kyle Pitts opts out and Kadarius Tony opts out, he says, okay, I'm going to go get mine. 
Yeah. yeah. Then what? He could, he could I mean, raise his draft stock real quick. So it's almost like you're you're hurting the team, but you're also hurting yourself. The NFL doesn't care that you opted out. They're not going to hold it against you, which is another thing that, you know, not saying they should, but again, it's almost like, is this really the kind of guy you want to spend $35 million on? Yeah. Somebody well, that does not care. Also, I'm sure they're like, you know, in the behind the scenes world of, of agents and all that, I'm sure there are agents telling these kids that they should oh, yeah. go ahead and opt oh, out yeah. and start training, which really sucks because. At Jamie yeah. Newman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about I forgot about that kid. I was gonna. So did the NFL. <laughs> he hasn't played. They don't know who he is anymore. It's almost like, dude, Jamar Chase. I get it, but at the same time, like Jamar Chase has become like periphery. Because yeah. Because you just haven't heard about him. And Not there are other there are other receivers that have gone crazy. So exactly. People are moving up because they have recent tape of what they can do. And Jamar Chase was obviously the best receiver in college football last year, but. He just – you're right, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind at some point, so. Um, Which, again, brings you back to the point of Trevor Lawrence. They were talking about he could have gone number one after his freshman year. So, I mean, hell, he should have just opted out. He should have just out, been out there with Quincy Avery throwing passes. <laughs> so, one thing I will say about opt-outs, though, is I feel like it's more common with, you know, big-time schools like Florida, UNC, Georgia, A&M, you know, big – power five programs, you know, that are on the fringe of making the playoff every year. And so when they don't make the playoff, they feel like they don't have anything to play for. Yeah, yeah when that's your goal. And also these bigger schools, like Jacob just said, they got, you know, they – the bigger schools, obviously the best schools, like Saban probably knows a couple hundred scouts, probably has – probably knows them by the first name basis at this point, you know. And he has these guys talking to these, you know, these tops juniors and seniors in their ear all the time, you know, like telling them, hey, like you're projected this, this much money, blah, blah. Like I feel like bigger programs like that have the money and connections in order to get these guys ear. Because you don't see it that much from smaller yeah. schools. If you, don't, if you don't have NFL talent on your roster, opt-outs are a non-issue. Yeah. Because it let's be, I mean, it's not COVID. That's not, they're not scared of COVID. You've been playing all year. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I guess we can hop on over to another shakeup in college football, which is Auburn hiring former Boise State head coach Brian Harson as their new head coach. What do y'all think of that? I kind of just want to talk about this one just because the coaching search reminded me so much of Tennessee, but also a mix of just like dysfunction. I don't know. yeah just dysfunction like there's there's been dysfunction at Florida State and then you know like Tennessee there was just they couldn't they couldn't get anybody to take the job at first and then I, I, you just wonder how does this happen at a program like Auburn and Florida State like I, the dysfunction that we're seeing at some of these schools is is really kind of baffling because I mean Auburn is realistically should be the second best team in the, the West every year you know, them and them and LSU compete for that amount of talent. Alabama's your given one. But you can't get guys to come to I mean a guy like Billy Napier and you can't get those guys to come take a job. Like that that tells you something. Yeah, there has to program. be something something behind the scenes because on the surface Auburn looks like a really great job for all those all all the guys that that came out that um they turned well, down Auburn's offer. I, I think for one it's it's obvious they have an issue with their donors and and these people that sit on their big donor board and they 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 make friends with guys like Kevin Steele and they, they they run the show so everybody you know they're forking out these big checks and they think their their input matters the most so if I they think look at a, if they look at a guy that's coming in and they don't like they're like all right well you're getting no money from me this year I mean that's how easy it is well how do you tell a coach he, he has to keep a guy that's currently on staff when he comes in like you can't have your own staff. Well, especially a guy who's his booster buddies just ran a freaking coup trying to get him to be the head coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just yeah, think at I some mean, point that's out of control. You ha as a as a the leader the leadership of the program has to come back and say, look, yeah, they're stroking these checks, but that, I mean, they have been, at the end of the day, we are making this is our job to make these decisions. You know, not best interest of them, but for the program. And let's be honest, I mean, Auburn, you obviously you want to keep your your big money donors happy, but guess what? If one of them leaves. It is what it is. 
I mean, this is an SEC school. Let's not pretend that one guy is funding the whole athletic department. Exactly. Auburn football Tim is still Cook. a very profitable product. You have Tim Cook as a as an alumni, the CEO of Apple. <laughs> They're not going to be hurting for money. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know, but I but, think I think Brian Harson was. I just like the fact that they went outside the SEC circle. They didn't hire one of these, you know, journeyman SEC, been at five different schools, never been anything above coach. average. Yeah, I mean, so was he their fifth or sixth option? Absolutely. But, you know, I like the fact that they didn't, you know, they didn't go with the cookie cutter SEC, you know, assistant coach type deal. So we'll see how it works out. He, he was obviously – what's funny about this is that when Gus Malzahn took over for a year at Arkansas State, Brian Harson was his offensive coordinator. The year after that, Brian Harson was the head coach at Arkansas State. So he's just he's just running around getting Gus's sloppy seconds. Yeah. So, but we'll – you know, it's yet to be determined if he can recruit in the South. It's yet to be determined if he can, you know – they talk about he, – he obviously played quarterback at Boise State. And when I say played, I mean he was on the team – um, so they talk about how Boise always has this good quarterback lineage. So we'll see if that continues because Bo Nix, Bo Nix needs somebody. I mean, the, the, the attributes are there. Bo Nix is not a guy that has no talent. I mean, it's just, a, Very it's true. just between the ears. You've got to get him right. He has a decent arm. He's, he's athletic. So, I mean, if you get him in a system that fits him, that doesn't throw screens to Anthony Schwartz nine times a game, you know, <laughs> the offense really hurt, hurt Bo. <clears throat> Yeah, because it's it's just so plain. I mean, there's a lot of motion and window dressing, but after the snap, they don't do shit. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. No. But I mean, eight years as a head coach, he's seventy-six and twenty-four overall. So I mean, he's got a pretty good track record. Um, been at Boise State for the past seven years and has done really well there. So you know, I think it's a pretty good hire for. You know, I mean, they definitely got turned down by some guys, but like like Sam said, I mean, it's it's a good hire for for being probably you know a third fourth option. I guess playing devil's advocate a little bit, this is a guy that walked into a ready made program in a mostly non competitive Mountain West conference. Yeah, yeah, but but you can also look at him not tanking the program too. <laughs> Fair yeah, enough. I, I mean, as, there's there's two as, ways to look at it. He didn't build it, but he also didn't kill it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look at a guy like Mustamp. He did, <laughs> he did both. He didn't build it, but he damn killed it. <laughs> he definitely, definitely killed it. Not, nah, it, it ain't dead, but I mean, it's he, close. He's, he's barely breathing, baby. Yeah. It's very live, baby. But hey, speaking of Mustamp, well, how would you feel as a Michigan fan hiring as a defensive coordinator? I think I've, I think Don Brown is probably one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. That's my opinion. See, I, I, think I hear you, that when you look at personnel, but I mean, he's, I hear that. He's, but there's he's, also he's, that the, the theory that it, it, the game's a little bit past him. He's kind of an old school guy. And that's and that's fair enough. I mean, he's he's gonna he's gonna run with eight guys in the box and he's just gonna blitz all night. It, I mean, and if you can we if used you can have, adjust your projections and it's what we used to have with John Tanita. John Tenuta, and he, he was really good for us for a while. But, I mean, the way offenses – I mean, shit. Let's look at it. The way offenses are nowadays, if if you're holding teams to 24 points a game, your defense is doing pretty – because the name of the game is offense nowadays. Yeah. So Yeah. You yeah, have to well, understand that defenses are going to give up yards. It's just about trying to hold them to field goals and keep them off the board when yeah. you can. Yeah, I mean, you said the game was kind of past um, Don Brown or whatever, but I, I kind of feel that way about Muschamp because his defense, his defenses have been really, really good, um, you know, in the past. But he's not very, he's not very multiple on defense, which is something you need yeah. to be in this day and age. Like he kind of lines up in the same, same, same formation, does the same thing, runs a lot of man coverages, except for when he decides to do a full game of zone coverages, and it just doesn't work. But I mean, you got to be multiple. You got to be able to move guys around, show different things, and and Muschamp just didn't do a good job of doing that. So I don't know. I mean, I think he's got a good defensive mind, but I just don't know. He's gonna have to change some philosophies, I think. Yeah. So take a guy like Venables. He does really exotic shit. He gets exotic packages on, you know, a third and I think it was third nine in the ACC championship game. He ran a blitz from the corner from his best coverage corner. And yeah, we blitz off the boundary with our corner 
a lot. It, it, but just in, in the strangest times, you're getting things that you would not expect. And, and that's the, the only thing I feel like you're going to be able to do to get these offenses that typically are really, really good and fast-paced off schedule. So and That's the other thing about defenses right now. The way the rules are set up, they're, I mean, you, you like in the NFL, you can't really dominate with RPOs because linemen can't be blocking past, really past line of scrimmage. I think they give them about a yard of leeway. Mm-hmm. In college, you get three, sometimes four yards. So, and it's still can, a little bit of a gray really area. <laughs> yeah. So, you can really destroy teams with it. So, like with Brent Venables, the one thing that I've seen him do over the past two years is that we go three down linemen instead of four. I mean, unless you have four absolute dump trucks like we did in 2018, you can't you can't win games like that because they're going to throw it quick outs. I mean, yeah. they're they're not letting the quarterback hold the ball like that. No offense is doing that. No smart offense is doing that. Yep. Yeah, y'all so, got y'all got guys in throwing lanes, and your three down linemen are good enough to to hold up against the run to where you're not getting absolutely gassed on these RPOs. And um, I just feel like some of these old style defenses, like a like a Brown, like y'all were talking about, it's just he's eight in the box and he's going to blitz the shit out of you. And I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily the answer nowadays. So I, I, do, I do agree with you, Sam. He's been a damn good defensive coordinator. But the game evolves, you know, like Nick Saban said. He said he realized quickly that defense ain't going to win championships anymore. It's going to be offense. And, and he, yep, and he figured that out. just got to keep you in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's still got good defenses sometimes, but – He's, He's got more weapons on offense than than anybody. So I got another question for y'all. <clears throat> all right, let's hear it. Where do y'all think Steve Star- Sarkeesian goes next year? Because I think he's leaving. No idea. Tennessee, <laughs> LSU. <laughs> he just broke records for average points per game and yards per game in Alabama as a, as an OC. Well, I, I think his future definitely lies within college football. I think he yeah. showed us that at the pro level. Um, yeah. I don't know where he necessarily goes, though, because if you get, if you look at it, Auburn's got a coach. Uh, what are the other South openings? South Carolina interviewed him, I think, or, or talked to him a little bit and just decided not to go that way. Um, I would like yeah, to see a Sarkeesian I mean, and a Lane Kiffin duo. I feel like that would go hard on offense because they're both kind of, you know, Sarkeesian's got that. Wild card. Yeah, they're both a wild card. So Keeson's got that drinking edge to him, you know, and then Kiffin, <laughs> Kiffin's got it all that that big that that edge to him. So I feel like that'd be a, a pretty crazy deal. You'd either put up a lot of points, or you'd be in a lot of trouble, or both. Yeah, both. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe he stays at Alabama for another year, sees what other jobs open up. I think with a guy like that, it's it's almost like Brent Venables. Like you have a you have a you have a made where you're at. So it's like if you're gonna leave, you need to have the right setup where you have full control, you're getting paid tons of money, you know, you have full control over your staff, blah, blah, blah. Like it's gotta it's gotta be ready made to win. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like you're yeah. not gonna leave Bama to go yeah. somewhere where you gotta build it completely from the ground. Yeah, you know? what are you what are you trying to prove at that point? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I mean you got it made at Alabama, so like just make sure make sure you make the right choice like you can wait a few years for the right job to open up because you I mean you're not going anywhere yeah because Uncle crazy... Nick is going to keep bringing you Christmas presents <laughs> yeah because them, them receivers they they still falling off the tree <laughs> or the but petri the, dish the, however the, they find the them. crazy thing about it is I think Alabama is the only program that has consistently rotated offensive coordinators every other year and still puts up just stupid numbers on offense shows you what Jimmy's and Johnny's will do yep yeah, well, I guess we can move into the the overviews. Uh, first up is Georgia versus Cincinnati in uh, whatever bowl that is. The, the Peach Bowl? The Peach Bowl, that's what it was. One in Atlanta. <clears throat> um, I mean, I don't have much to say about this. Um, you know, I got some guys opting out. I've already talked about it. Um I'm interested to see, you know, Cincinnati's going to be ready to prove a point. Um, I hope it's a good game at first. You know, I hope it's not one-dimensional. I feel like – I hope I hope Kirby has them ready to come out there and play because um, I don't want what happened against Texas to happen again. I'd rather they come out like they did against Baylor with guys opting out still. So, you know, I think it'll be a 
pretty decent game. Some young guys are going to have to step up, which I think they have the ability to do so. I'm itch, interested to see how Cincy um, calls plays against our defense. Because um, coming in, I know um, they're going to pass the ball a lot more. They have a lot of rushing yards, though. They're very balanced offense. You know, they got 2,000 passing yards and 2,000 rushing yards. Um, and a lot of that comes from their quarterback, who's a pretty pretty dang good athlete. Um, and it kind of scares me a little bit because uh, Georgia's history of mobile quarterbacks has not been great um, in the past, especially, you know, the way Kirby runs his defense. So I'm interested to see if we spy too on him or not. Um, I feel like it's going to be one of those deals where they, you know, there's nothing open in the past, and he just scrambles for 100 yards in the first half, and then they start spying him after that. But, you know, I hope Georgia gives them a nice welcome to the SEC, and I hope we don't blow it so they're not like UCF for the next five, six years, talking about being natty champs or whatever. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be, it'll be a pretty good matchup. Yeah, so most of Georgia's opt-outs on defense, right? I haven't really looked at who all opted out, but I figure you're going to have most of your offense still there, um, at least the important guys. I don't know about who's opted out on the line or if, if anybody's opted out on, on the offensive line, but offense should be fine. Cincinnati, you would expect them to draw up a game plan to, to go after the guys that are taken up for the guys that did opt out on defense. Um, but, you know. Those guys on Georgia are still probably five stars, the backups. So, you know, we'll see. It'll be good. It'll be a good game probably. Probably a little bit more fair with these opt-outs, um, but probably still still not super close. Yeah, Ben Cleveland opted out on the line. Oh, um, yeah, I did see that. I did see that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Marky um, Flash. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, y'all should be fine, especially offensively, defense. I mean, Kirby Kirby will draw it up. It'll be fine. Um, but I guess we could – Yeah, well, the one thing I'll say before we uh, get off this is that Cincinnati offensively is pretty one-dimensional. So, I mean, I really I really feel like Georgia defense is still going to have the athletes to where you can, you can run sideline to sideline with them. As long as a quarterback doesn't run for 100 yards, it's going to be difficult for them to consistently pick up first downs. And we've seen what J.C. Daniels can do. So, I mean, I, I feel like that's probably going to continue. They have a pretty good secondary. Their defense is good, but it's they're just not going to be able to match up even with Georgia's backups. Yeah. I think we're going to run all over them. Yeah. I mean, I would expect you to. And then throw if you need to. I mean, you, you have all the receivers, I would assume. They're all young guys anyways. Yeah. So, but with that, we can move into Clemson versus Ohio State. Sam, if you want to take it away there, I know you have some animosity toward Ohio State, so this should be good. Always. I uh, I have animosity towards whoever's next on the schedule, but Ohio State's different because, you know, I think we all hate Ohio State a little bit um, deep down, but I'm not going to get – I'm not going to get too much into into what I expect from Clemson. I think it's probably going to look a lot like what we did against Notre Dame. Trevor's going to have to run. Uh, their interior defensive line is pretty good, so I don't think we're going to be forcing the run with Travis too much. Um, you know, we're going to do what we do and, and and hope our guys are better than theirs because defensively they have some real issues. But, but offensively, uh, their O-line has kind of been in flux all year just because of COVID and uh, I think it's been about six weeks ago where they had a bunch of guys that tested positive right for the Michigan State game. So they've been they've been piecing it together a little bit since then. Um, but they're they have some issues in pass protection, but they're very physical in run blocking. Uh, run blocking has been certainly their strength as of late as they start to get more and more starters back. Um, so I, you know, again, a lot of a lot of what they do to mask that is they they really like to run max protect. Um, so they'll keep you know, two tight ends in or keep a running back in and they'll, they'll have, you know, five, six, seven guys uh, blocking with maybe only two guys running routes. Uh, so it, it makes it really difficult to get to Justin Fields, but 
teams have been been somewhat successful at, at getting to the quarterback. Obviously, we know Trey Sermon went off against Northwestern, um, but he pretty much doubled his season output in that game. He had about 330 yards against Northwestern and maybe had about 300 coming into the game in the first five games of the year. Um, he and Master Teague, sophomore, uh, are really the only two guys that, that touched the ball. Um, Teague reminds me a little bit of uh, – J.K. Dobbins and the fact that he's, he's just a bowling ball. He's not, he doesn't have that breakaway speed, but he's also not utilizing the passing game. I haven't seen a whole lot of them throwing to Sermon either, uh, which is odd um, considering that they really only have two reliable weapons outside. Um, but, but I'll get to that a little bit. Um, and also Fields, he's been super efficient in the air. He's completing 72% of his passes. Uh, the, the issue is that the, the two defenses they played with the pulse, he's thrown five picks. Uh, dating back to the game against us last year, he's thrown seven picks in his last seven games. Uh, so, you know, Northwestern is a pretty good defense, ranked 22 in total defense, Indiana at 37. Uh, I think Clemson is in the top five. I want to say we're either five or six in total defense. Um, he's been used more as a runner this year as well, uh, just because they haven't had a running back that's been able to really carry the load. He had 15 carries against Nebraska for 54 yards, 15 carries for 74 against Indiana. 13 carries for 104 against Michigan State, uh, 12 carries against Northwestern. Uh, last year, I don't think he got over uh, 12 carries in any game all year. Uh, and a lot of that at the end, he was kind of banged up with a knee injury. But he's running the ball a lot more. Uh, he's slimmed down. He, he looks a little bit more athletic. Uh, but he maneuvers the pocket really well. Uh, so that's the other thing. And he obviously, we know he can make all the throws. Um, but, again, what they like to do is it's really – it's really just Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson running routes. So he tends to get locked in on one of them and, and they don't, he doesn't really have to come off of his primary because those guys are usually open. So I can sit here and say that, that I haven't seen him consistently go through progressions, but the fact is that he hasn't had to, if your primary is open, you're not going to go to your second read. There's no point. You just throw the touchdown. So if you can make the throw, you make it. Uh, so that's, that's maybe the one knock on him. But again, if you can make the throw, you absolutely make it. Um, so, yeah. and and again, it's it's every college offense has an RPO scheme. No one is going to ask you to read the entire field very often, at least not on a consistent basis. Uh, so when I talk about only having two legitimate receivers, I'm talking about Olave that has 36 receptions in five games for 528 yards and five touchdowns. So that's that's about seven catches a game. Then you have Garrett Wilson, whose stats are very, very similar. He's got two more catches. So he's got 38 for 621 and five touchdowns. Those two guys are really, really good. Neither of them have great size. I think they're both about six foot. Garrett Wilson may not even be that tall. Neither of them are, are going to break probably 190, but fast. They remind me kind of Alabama's receivers. They're that sleek, fast guy on the outside that's, yep. you know, he's probably not going to body you in the boundary, but he's going to run right by you. They both run really good routes. Uh, they use them in the screen game a little bit. But, I mean, looking at their next pass catchers, they have Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end, nine catches for 60 yards on the season. He has three touchdowns. He's been a red zone threat a little bit. Uh, they have Julian Fleming, who is a highly regarded prospect. He's got seven catches for 74 yards on the season. I want to say he had four catches against Northwestern. Then they have Smith and Jigbo that was out for the Northwestern game. He had that toe tap uh, in the first game of the season. And that's really been it. He's got six catches for 17 yards. These are their five leading receivers. So outside of Alave and Wilson, literally no one gets targeted. Absolutely no one. So I think offensively, they have some really good skill players, but they don't have the depth. Uh, their offensive line has been a little bit suspect. So I would, you know, I expect Brent Venables to do what he always does. We're going to bring pressure. We're going to make Justin Fields beat us in the pocket. The same way we did against Book where we bracket the pocket we force you to be a pocket passer and to read the defense because Chris Olave, I promise you, he might be open, but he will not be consistently running right by our guys on post routes. It's just not going to happen. I think the same thing yeah. with Garrett Wilson. You can, you can screen in the ball. You can find jet sweeps and things to get in the ball, but I just don't see them consistently pushing the ball downfield over us. Now I could be very wrong about this, but I feel like when you've only got two legit receiving options, and you don't have a running back. I mean, obviously, Trey Sermon with one game, that was incredible. It is what it is. But, I mean, you really have fields, two good receivers, 
and Trey Sermon, that's a good running back. Those are your only offensive weapons. And it's difficult to scheme when you just don't have the guys like they did last year. Uh, and the same thing can be said of their defense. Their linebacker unit's really good. Uh, tough Borland, middle linebacker, is a really, really good player. Uh, he started last year in the game against us, Baron Browning. Uh, he was out with COVID against Northwestern. He'll probably be back. Uh, don't really know the timetable on that one. He's by far their most athletic guy. Uh, and then Pete Warner is the other linebacker. Uh, so these are your top three tacklers on the team. Uh, they're going to rotate in. It's mainly going to be Borland and, and Browning if he's healthy. Um, but, you know, uh, Werner and, and, and Borland are more prototypical box linebackers, pretty, pretty, pretty reminiscent of Clemson with having Jamie Skowski and um, Brandon Spector. They're, they're built kind of like that. They're more run stuffers. Uh, they're good at, you know, fitting their gaps. But Browning is the one that scares you because he can cover. He can, he can blitz. I mean, they can do a lot of different things with him and move him around in disguise coverages and structures. So I think if he plays that, that really – tips things, you know, more towards their advantage because their defensive line, you know, they don't have Devon Hamlin or Chase Young. They have Haskell Garrett, a defensive tackle. He's going to line up as their zero technique most of the time. Uh, and he's he's an absolute unit. So, yeah, Chase Young is gone. Devon Hamlin has gone in the middle. But this guy is for real. Other than him, I don't see a ton of guys that are, that are going to jump out on film. Um, they haven't played any elite offensive lines. Uh, and Haskell Garrett's the only one that's been able to generate consistent pressure. But given the the issues we've had in our interior offensive line, Haskell Garrett scares me. I'll be honest. Um, so again, I think I think this is probably a stalemate when you look at the defensive line against our offensive line. Clemson's shown in the past six weeks that really since we lost to to Notre Dame the first time, you know we're not going to you know beat our heads in the ground trying to run the ball in first down. You know, we've shown that we can go to the quick out, we can run screens, we can quarterback run, we can do other things except traditional power run schemes early and, you know, trying to get ahead of the chain. So I think that's going to have to be an issue, you know, going to have to be a, a priority again is staying ahead of the chains, but not not running right into their best player against our weak interior offensive line. So I'll uh, – so this is this is the thing. They they don't really generate a pass rush. They played six games. They only have 16 sacks. And I talked about they haven't faced a good offensive line. Well, the offensive line they played, Nebraska 94, Penn State 39, uh, 112, 124, 71, Northwestern was 78. So, I mean, when you think about the guys they recruit and the guys that they're running out there against you, 16 sacks is good, but at the same time, I would expect a lot more just because over the course of a game against a team that you're better than, you should be in the backfield enough time to generate sacks. Now, sacks are not the only indication of affecting the quarterback. We know offensive schemes, guys are going to get the ball out quick, but but still, they have not been that disruptive outside of Haskell Garrett. Their secondary is where they really have a huge weakness, in my opinion. Um, they have some really solid athletes. I mean, but you look at the fact that they lost two first-round picks last year. Okuda went third overall. Damon Arnett was at the end of the first round, one of the Raiders. So Sean Wade is the guy that's back, him and Seven Banks that are two outside guys. Sean Wade has played five games this year. He's allowed 100 yards in coverage twice. Uh, he does have a pick six against Indiana, but other than that, he's 17th worst in the FBS, allowing over a yard and a half per coverage snap. So – and mind you, this is a guy that came back. He opted out, and the Big Ten said, no, we're going to play. So we opted back in. And basically his whole motivation for that was coming back against Trevor Lawrence because he's the guy that had the targeting call, and they threw him out. So <laughs> he wants to smoke. He is going to get it, I promise you. <laughs> um, so this this Ohio State defense is ranked uh, 37th overall as their secondary. That's by far the worst in the playoff. Bama has the number one ranked secondary in the country, according to PFF. Clemson is seventh. Notre Dame is 13th. So, but when you look at you look at the passing offenses they played, again, they have not played anyone elite. Nebraska averages under 200 yards a game. Rutgers, under 200 yards a game. Northwestern, under 200 yards a game. For comparison, Vanderbilt averages 220, and South Carolina averages about 190. So they're playing pretty much South Carolina's passing offense most weeks. That's the standard, oh, um, yeah. you know, so I think, again, Ohio State's a really good team. They have really good players, but this is not the Ohio State team they had last year, period. 
Um, you know, again, Justin Fields has thrown three or has thrown seven picks in his last seven games. Three, the only three against ranked opponents, ranked opponents. That's when all of his picks are. He's shown now that he has less weapons. He's having more difficulty because his offensive line isn't giving him all day to stand back there. So, I, I'm, I, I'm trying to temper my expectations for this game because I really feel like we, you know, with our personnel and and their issues defensively, I really feel like this game could, you know, could could get out of hand in the sense that we could beat them by 21. But again, they have a lot of good players. They're pissed. They feel like the refs cost them the game last year. You know, they're 0-5 against Clemson all time. So for them, this is this is very much a grudge match game. But, you know, like Davos said, emotions don't make tackles. Emotions don't call plays. I mean, it's at the end of the day, if they execute better than us, they have the athletes to win. But I just don't feel like for four quarters they're going to be able to do that. Uh, so obviously the spreads, Clemson by seven and a half. I'd probably take Clemson minus 12 or 13 in this game. Um, I hope I'm right because normally I'm pretty – normally I'm more nervous than this. Um, but, again, trying to temper my expectations. I think it'll be a good game, but I just I just don't see a, a, a scenario where, where Ohio State comes out like last year and they're up 16 zip and they control the game for, for most of it. So, you know, I'm I'm excited for it, though, because obviously they don't like us. I don't care for them. And those are those are the best football games typically. Very true. Very true. I will be cheering for the Buckeyes, though, unfortunately. Yeah, and I understand that, as you should. <laughs> I would be worried about you if you didn't. <laughs> it's gonna be one of the better games to watch on Friday. Yeah, no doubt. There's gonna be a few good games Friday. I don't even think I'm gonna watch the Bama game. Yeah, I'll like probably I'll probably just first half flip to it maybe just look at the score on the ESPN app or something it could be like last year with with Which, Joe Burrow throwing seven first half touchdowns against Oklahoma it could be like that yeah <laughs> it very much could be look at your phone Alabama 28 seven oh, okay. <laughs> look back five minutes later Alabama 42 seven <laughs> <laughs> yeah 12 minutes to play in the first quarter <laughs> yep that's uh that's how I thought I was gonna go well, I guess with that being said, um, well, I guess, you know, when you break it down like that, I guess everybody kind of knows this, but Ohio State doesn't seem like that elite of a team. I mean, they do have a bunch of talent and everything like that, but it's just, you know, you get into the nitty-gritty of the stats and all that, they just – they're not super impressive. Um, but, you know, I guess we can move into the picks. I just, I just think they're not going to be ready to play. And they haven't played anybody. Yeah. I mean, Clemson's had two playoff games pretty much. Yeah, and I think I think the whole thing about them playing six games, I get it, but at the same time, I mean, it's one thing if you have a bunch of guys that are hurt and come back and they've only played six games. It's another thing if you're – if you think about Ohio State, four of their six games they played coming off of a bye week because yeah. of cancellations. They haven't played back-to-back weeks all year, right? Yeah. No. So, I mean – it's almost like they're used to having extra weeks to prepare and they still can't, they still can't dominate Northwestern. They still can't dominate Michigan state or, well, they did dominate Michigan state, but you know, I mean, the big 10 is down this year. The only ranked team they played was Penn state who was number 18 at the time. They finished four and five. So I'm not really even counting that, but we'll see again. I I think they're going to be pissed off. I think the, the Fiesta Bowl last year is probably their whole motivation for even playing this year. So they want the smoke. So hope we give it to them. Yeah. Well, let's, let's hop into the pick. Sam, if you want to take it away. Yeah. So this week we actually have teams that you've probably heard of before. Uh, so it might be a little bit easier to, to pick these games. <laughs> the first one um, is Oklahoma and Florida. Florida was a two and a half point favorite. Uh, yesterday when I did this, obviously they've had a string of opt-outs, Kadarius Tony, Kyle Pitts, uh, Trevon Grimes, Marco Wilson in the secondary. So their top three passes are out. Well, also Jacob Copeland, another weapon on the outside, is, has been tested yes. positive for COVID. They're, their top four receivers are gone. Ooh. Their, their, their next receiver only has 230 yards on the year. Who's it, Justin Shorter, the guy from Penn State? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah, so – so basically, you have Kyle Trask in a skeleton offense against yeah. Oklahoma, who's 
been hot of late. Um, Oklahoma is a three-point favorite now. Okay. After all that, I just looked at it. Um, but Sid, uh, what do you got here? Uh, I, after y'all tell me about all those opt-outs and stuff, I I wasn't going to initially go with Florida, and I still think they'll probably end up winning because I'm going to go with Oklahoma here. And as y'all saw in my last postseason picks, it was they were dog shit. So I, I guess <laughs> I'll go with Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, before all those opt-outs, man, I was uh, – I thought Florida was going to win pretty uh, pretty handedly. Um, I still think it's going to be a pretty good game, but I just don't see Trask, you know, being able to do much because, you know, all year having those top four guys, you know, you're practicing every single day, you play with them, you have that, you know, rhythm going – when your starters out wide and now you're bringing in these third and fourth string guys that haven't got much playing time. I haven't really seen the field. I mean, they're probably athletic. They're probably good. I'm not saying they're not good, but the timing and rhythm is probably going to be off. You know, that's they Florida really doesn't run the ball down your throat either. So they're really pass heavy offense. And when four of those guys opt out, you know, it's hard not to pick Oklahoma. So that's why I'm doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going off everything you just said, it's hard losing all those pass catchers. Um, and, you know, I expect Oklahoma to kind of pin their ears back and, and try to stop the run, which I feel like they could do, even though they have had some woes on defense. But also Oklahoma's going to score, you know, so now it's can Kyle Trask you know, scrape up enough points to outscore Oklahoma. And I don't know with with all those guys out. I don't know if they can. So I'm with you all going Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm taking Oklahoma too. Uh, Devaney, to your point, you know, having guys opt out, normally you have a month to prepare for a bowl game. They're opting out and you have a, a regular game week. It's yeah. hard It's hard to get guys in that mode, especially when your teammates are quitting around you and you're thinking, damn, like, we ain't got nobody left. It's almost like a mental thing, I feel like. So I'll be interested to see how interested Florida looks in this game because I have a feeling they might not look all that interested. Uh, so – I, again, Oklahoma's been a hot team lately, and their defense is not nearly as bad as it's been in recent years when they've made the playoff. Yeah. So the, yeah. the offense probably isn't as efficient or high octane as it has been, you know, in the recent years with all the Heisman winners and Jalen Hurts last year. But I think, I think Oklahoma wants to be there more than more than Florida. So yeah. I'm I'm taking Oklahoma for that reason. But next game up, uh, we have we have Arkansas and TCU. Uh, TCU is a five-point favorite here, so we know who Jacob's going to pick. But Sid, who you got? <laughs> um, I think I'm going to roll with TCU. All right. Um, this is a this is a tough pick because Arkansas, you know, has had some good games and they've had some bad games. Um, but, you know, Arkansas's defense is pretty good. You know, they had three guys in the – I think it was like top five in tackles um, in the SEC. I mean, they got some good linebackers. I think they're going to be – this is going to be a good game too because TCU's not bad. They're pretty They're pretty good as well. Um, but I just – I just have a feeling I'm going Arkansas right here. Okay, I like it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But, you know, I'm not going to go against TCU. I've been picking them all season. They've let me down a couple times. You know, they've helped me out a few times. But, you know, Arkansas is on a four-game losing streak right now. Um, TCU's been looking pretty good. They're getting their stuff together. And I, I just see old Gary Patterson getting these boys riled up to play. So, that's why I'm going TCU. Yeah, Arkansas had a uh, had a tough go of it of late. Obviously, they're three and seven, three three SEC wins, something they haven't done since like 2015 or 2016. So it's definitely been, you know, I would consider it a successful year if I'm an Arkansas fan, given what you've been watching the last five years. Oh, yeah. So, and I think Sam Pittman's got good things going on there, but their offense has not been very good lately. Their defense is, in the games that they've won, their defense has had turnovers, like opportunistic turnovers, right when they need them, late in games to close it. Uh, so unless TCU – just gives them the ball. I I really don't see this one being being all that competitive down the stretch. So I'm taking the Horn Frogs here as well. And then Davini, we're up to y'all's game. 
Uh, Georgia was a seven-point favorite. That might have shifted now. Um, I don't know if there's anybody that's opted out since Saturday, but um, obviously Georgia seven-point favorite against Cincinnati. Um, I, 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 I'm going to go with UGA. I mean, just because it's UGA, I know they've had some opt-outs, but I just feel like Cincinnati's kind of playing above their level of competition here, so. Yep, going with the dogs. Course, Never pick against naturally, your squad. Naturally. But, yeah, I mean, like we like we talked about a little bit earlier, they had some op- – Georgia had some opt-outs on defense, but their backups are still probably more talented than Cincinnati's guys, at least, you know, higher-level recruits. Um, but, you know, for that, I'm going UGA. Yeah, I want to pick Cincinnati here because I think they are a good team. I think their defense is probably better than, than the teams that JT Daniels has faced thus far. They're definitely better than Mississippi State and Missouri defensively. Um, but, again, you just don't know about the competition level. I feel like Georgia Georgia on paper should win handily. But, you know, I'm taking Georgia here, but I'm a little bit skeptical about it. The next game we have – oh, boy. Do we even need to pick this one? It's Bama-Notre Dame. Are we, no. We're all taking Bama, no. right? Yeah, everybody's taking Bama for obvious reasons. So and the spread – the spread is 19 and a half. I would just like to know if you guys think Bama's going to cover or not. Yes. I do. Yes. <laughs> Sid? Sid says yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think they're going to cover. I think that one's going to be an absolute ass whipping. But, yeah. Know. Yeah. I, Bama, if the, if the spread was 30 – then I might question if they would cover, but at 19 and a half, oh yeah, take take it all day. Yeah. Next I mean, game, I, I feel like I feel like Notre Dame has decent secondary, um, but I still don't think there's anybody that's going to cover Devontae Smith. So. Yeah, I mean Notre Dame, the strength of their defense is in their front seven. Kyle Hamilton at safety is a really good player, but one safety ain't going to cover Mechie, Devontae Smith. Yeah. You know he's not going to come up and tackle Najee Harris. I mean, there, there's just, there's just too much firepower. Yeah. So we all got Bama here. Uh, next game up, Clemson and Ohio State. Clemson's favored by seven and a half here. Yeah, I think this one's going to be a throttling. Uh, Ohio State looked pretty uh, pathetic against Northwestern. They just, they, they didn't look great on offense. Um, if you make Justin Fields kind of come off one of those first read type deals, he, he just hadn't looked that great. Um, I, I just – I feel like y'all are just kind of beating me by at least two scores, honestly. Yeah. One thing, since we all went Bama, we all think Bama's going to win. We should have threw in the Auburn-Northwestern game because that one's probably a little harder to pick than this game or that game. I'm, I'm taking Northwestern. Yeah, they're favored. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, I say it's going to come out pissed off whatever that's cool it'll be cool for the first quarter you know but then you know football is actually going to come around and they're going to test whole fields and uh i don't think it's going to go well so i think i think it went by two touchdowns seven seven and a half was a shocker to me yeah i mean like i said earlier i will be cheering for ohio state um I, and but i you- definitely will be i'll be a huge buckeye that day, uh, but I just don't see them actually winning the game. I'd love for them to, but Clemson is just just on a different level than they are, I think. Um, so, going Clemson here. Yeah, like I said, I, w- I would take Clemson with the spread being 13. So, I'm, I have a feeling it's probably going to go a lot like Notre Dame did. They'll probably come out pissed off, have some, some scripted plays, some different things that they'll try and do. One thing I will say, watch, watch them in trick plays. Watch them try and come up and sugar huddles and try and quick snap the ball. Yeah, I promise you, if you try trick plays early. That's when you know you're effed. It, it means you don't feel like you can line up and beat the other team. Man, I was just man. about to say, if they come out running trick plays, that sets the precedent for the whole game. So I'll be curious to see if they do that. They did that a lot last year early on. They were trying to sugar huddle and then come out quick snap the ball before we could get set, which is, you know, it's strategy. But, you know, at the same time, it tips your hand a little bit. So, again, I, I hope this one isn't close. I hope I have a very comfortable second half. 
Uh, but I'm taking Clemson here. Never pick against your squad, especially against Ohio State. <laughs> uh, next game, we have NC State and Kentucky. This is actually a pretty interesting matchup. Kentucky's favored by two and a half, uh, but NC State is eight and three. And uh, an underdog to a to an SEC team with a losing record. So, Yeah. I don't know, not just because we lost to NC State, but I think NC State's actually played pretty decent. They beat Liberty this year. Um, so, I mean on – a, On a missed field goal at the end of regulation. That is true, but, I mean, Liberty was – I don't know. I've, Liberty's a pretty good team, so I feel like to be in that situation as an NC State team is, is decent. So, um, I just hadn't also been that impressed with Kentucky watching them this year. I think they struggle on offense a little bit, so. Yeah. Uh, I'm, for that reason, I'm going to go with NC State. Yeah, when I first saw this game, you know, I just immediately thought, why was why is Kentucky, you know, favored and their record is poopy? But, um, you know, Kentucky's defense is pretty good, but their offense doesn't help them out. <laughs> I mean, if they had a decent quarterback, I would – have a little faith in picking Kentucky, but that's just not simply not the case here. Um, NC State, like y'all said, is a pretty decent team. Um, so I'm picking the underdog. Yeah, I think I'm going against the grain on this one. I'm going with Kentucky, man. Um, you know, they're like you said, they've had some woes on offense, that's for sure. Um, I don't think their quarterback is, is who everyone thought. I don't think Terry Wilson has done what people thought he was going to do this year. But their running back is very good. Their defense um, can definitely hold up, I think. And, you know, they've also – you know, three of their losses are Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. So, you know, sometimes – Your you gotta, SEC bias is showing, Jacob. Sometimes you, sometimes you got to take a record with a grain of salt, but I'm going Kentucky here. Yeah. See, part of me wants to pick Kentucky because I agree with a lot of the things you just said. I feel like Kentucky's defense is really good. Um, NC State's offense is pretty lackluster for the most part, especially without their without Devin Leary that's been hurt all year. But Bam Knight, their running back's pretty good. But Thayer Thomas is their top receiver, is another pretty good player. But I just, I don't know. I just have a weird feeling about Kentucky in this one. So I'm, I'm actually going to take the Wildcats here. Um. I hope they lose. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I'm going to go with NC State. I can't pick against <laughs> the ACC right here because every time I pick a team that I don't pull for, they end up losing. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to go against the grain. This next game we have is Indiana and Ole Miss. But if y'all want to pick Auburn and Northwestern, we can do that too. I, I, I kind of – I like either game, but I kind of rather pick this one. Yeah. To be honest. Y'all go with this one or are you going to swap it to me? No, I was just saying. I was just saying Actually, for the Bam, for the Bam. Game. voted anyway. It's cool. Oh yeah, for I only put that in there because it would be if it wasn't a playoff like game. It'd be a shame not to put a playoff game. If in it wasn't a playoff game, we would not be picking it. Oh yeah, no. that's why we spent a lot of time breaking it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, I with Indiana. Um, will they have Penix or no? No, torn no. ACL. He's he's out. Yeah. He's oh, bye. he did tear his ACL. Bye. He's bye bye. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm. Well, I did know, but I forgot it was a completely torn ACL. I thought he was just been deemed. Um, I still feel like Tom Allen's a pretty good coach, and they're, they're a pretty decent team. Um, Ole Miss is going to put up still a lot of points, I think. So, I don't know. I put in I, I put in Indiana on the list, but I'm kind of wanting to go with Ole Miss. I think we're going to go Ole Miss. The indecision, I love it. <laughs> that's how you know it's a game we actually need to watch yeah I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat because uh, you know Ole Miss um, obviously has really good offense you know they got guys that can unless Matt play. Corral throws nine interceptions yeah yeah and see that's why that's why I'm I think I'm going to pick Indiana because you know their defense even though they lost Penix their defense is still pretty damn good you know, they got those guys out wide, too, the receivers. I don't know their names. And they got two guys that can catch the ball. Yeah. Ty Freifogel and 13, uh, Mitchell. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard picking against the lane train, but I think I am right here. Yeah, I mean, you know, you said Indiana's pretty good defense, and I'm, I'm not denying that, but Alabama also has a good defense, and look what Ole Miss did to them. Um, 
you know, they're, they're back, this backup quarterback, he's played in one full game against Wisconsin. They put up 14 points. They did win the game, but they also haven't played in, in almost a month now. Um, so I'm, I'm going with the lane train here. Yeah, my SEC bias is showing. I'm, I'm taking Ole Miss here. Without Michael Penix, I just I just have no faith in their offense. Even if even if Corral throws four interceptions, they'll probably still score 30. Yeah. So the next game up is another interesting one. Uh, we have the Big 12 runner-ups. Iowa State is a four-and-a-half-point favorite against everybody's favorite Pac-12 champ, Oregon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Iowa State. Yeah, I'm going Iowa State as well. Oregon's just too inconsistent. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm with you on that. I just don't don't trust Oregon on either side of the ball. Their defense, you know, they definitely have some really good athletes out there, but they I mean, like I said, they've just been really inconsistent. And Iowa State is a really good team, so I'm going with them. Yeah, I'll go against the grain a little bit here. Um Oregon is not overly impressive. Frankly, I'm pretty sure all of their games have been decided by four points or less. Uh, they're four and two on the year. Um, but, you know, they're a conference champ. So why not? I'll take them and try and pick up some points on y'all. Because if not, I'm in last place anyway. So hell with it. <laughs> the gap the, either gets larger or smaller. So yeah, it, I, either, I either gain ground or I, or I continue to lose. So it is what it is. There's no really, I'm playing with house money. Uh, so the final game on our sheet this week uh, was going to be a lot more interesting than it is now. Uh, but we got UNC against A&M. A&M was a seven-point favorite. Uh, they've currently bumped it up to seven and a half. Um, yeah, UNC pretty much is losing all of their production on offense this year. Uh, Should I go ahead and tell the people who's opted out? Should, yeah. Is that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so – their, their top two rushers, uh, there are 12 1,000-yard rushers in the FBS this season. Two of them are on uh, UNC's roster. Neither of them will be playing in the bowl game. Uh, their leading receiver, who is also currently the only 1,000-yard receiver in the ACC, Dynamy Brown, number two, he has opted out as well uh, as their leading tackler on defense, uh, converted uh, quarterback, actually. Chas Surratt has 91 tackles in the year. He's their middle linebacker, never comes off the field. Uh, he's he's also opted out. So might be missing somebody, but basically uh, 70% of their offensive production and uh, and their leading tackler on defense. So not missing any key pieces, but uh, should be fun. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go Texas a and just for that reason. <laughs> Same. Don't even have to explain. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, Sam Howell's a beast, but he can't throw and catch himself. Um, so, you know, I got to go with Texas A&M here. You know, I was actually excited about this game because it would have been a chance to see if Texas A&M should have been in the playoff or not because, you know, North Carolina's a pretty good team. Um, but without all these guys, it's not going to really be that showing, I, I don't think, honestly. Uh, but I'm going Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean – when, when their entire offense opts out, it's easy to pick A&M. Because I think those two running backs going up against this front seven at A&M, I talked about in the opt-outs, this is a chance for both of these guys to make some money. Because I don't know if either of them are locks at first round. I mean, Javante Williams has been good, but he's never he's never been a consistent ball carrier. Now he's had a one amazing year. We'll see if he gets drafted highly off of it. But, I mean, again, this was the game that I talked about last week that I was most excited for. I thought it was the best matchup. North Carolina has been hot since they lost to, to Virginia, especially their offense. Their offense is just going to crazy. So kind of sucks that we won't get to see him at full strength. Um, hate it for the ACC because we need to win as many bowl games as we can uh, to not look like complete doo-doo. Um, but, yeah, taking, taking A&M here, uh, really not a hard pick. Uh, um, by the way, I think I'm going back and I'm going to have to change one of my picks. Um, I'm sorry to do this, but I'm switching from NC State to Kentucky. Your SEC bias is showing. Well, I just <laughs> – I kept going back and forth because before we started the podcast, I put Kentucky, and then when it came to me, I picked NC State. So I'm going to go with my intuition, my first gut. What did you just read to make you change that? 
Um, <laughs> share with the whole group. Nothing. <laughs> you just got some piece of information that we are all not privy to. Uh, oh, there's that. the ESPN update. NC State's opted out of the bowl game. They're holding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, NC State well, is now starting their walk-on quarterback. No, but I did have an update. Stetson. Um, we uh, UGA is having COVID issues right now. Nice. Uh-oh. Didn't have them all year. Didn't yeah. have COVID issues. Didn't, didn't all have one year. positive test all year, but before the bowl game, this, hey, we have issues. We don't want to play. Yeah. Wait, y'all really didn't have it's a single tough. positive football player all year? No. Bro, they must be disinfecting uh, Sky and Cloud or whatever all those bars are called. Jesus Christ. Yeah, or they're <laughs> fucking lying. Either one. Lying. Lying. Yeah. Lying, yeah. definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's also a possibility. <laughs> they're all false positives. Don't worry. Yeah. It, you have three four stars at every position group. If one guy wants to act like he's sick and, and go snitch, be like, no, you're gone. We'll just replace you. So. <laughs> see, you see this beast behind you? Yeah. You yeah, think we so care? There goes your scholarship. If you don't want to play with COVID, <laughs> we'll find somebody that will play with COVID. <laughs> well, um, it's a doggy well, dog world up there. <laughs> when when is the national championship? Is it like the 13th or something? Isn't it usually around next, there? Next week. Yeah. Whenever Alabama decides they want to play. Well, I, I technically we don't have a winner from picks last week because one of the games hasn't been played, Miami versus Oklahoma State. Um, I will it definitely say definitely wasn't gonna be me. <laughs> I will say that I'm now tied for first. Um, we have a three-way the, tie for the lead right now. Yep. And depending on who wins the Miami OK State game, I might be, you know, there might be only two tied, me and Sid. So We'll see, um, but it, we'll probably break down all, the, all these games that we just went over and uh, preview the national championship game and do a little something, something for that um, from these picks. But anyways. We'll also have a Heisman winner next week. Yeah. Yes, we will. That'll be very interesting. Hopefully it's Devontae Smith, but it, it probably won't be. Um, but anyways, very exciting week of football coming up, you know. Happy New Year's to everybody, and peace. Except Ohio State. (laughs) Peace.